Welcome to the State Bar of Texas podcast, your monthly source for conversations and curated content to improve your law practice with your host, Rocky Deer. Hi, and welcome to the State Bar of Texas podcast. If you've ever ordered from the Starbucks drive-thru, there's this phenomenon that sometimes happens. You pull up to the window to get your order and the barista tells you, the car in front of you just paid for your order. It's part of a chain. This is where that little voice inside my head reminds me, this is America, the land of the free. So just take the drinks and run. But then I remember my first mentor in the law, the late Honorable Jerry Buckmeyer. He was a chief judge for the United States District Court for the Northern District of Texas. I had the honor of clerking for him and I can hear his voice now. Wow. You should have ordered me something too. But don't worry, Judge Buckmeyer laughed most heartily at the jokes made at his expense. The truth is, though, that he believed in giving back and paying forward, and his teachings remain with me to this day, nearly 14 years since his passing. I always pay for the car behind me at the Starbucks drive through although I secretly hope they didn't order too much. Okay, that's, that's too much information. I will always be grateful for Judge Buckmeyer. Any decision I make, he is there next to me, and I try to make the choices that would make him proud. I can attest to the fact that mentors make all the difference. In the October 2023 issue of the Texas Bar Journal, you will see two compelling articles about mentorship. In their own words, that's the title of the article, gives you a real-life perspective from a mentor-mentee pair. Nikki Chargois-Allen, the mentor, and Denise Paul, the mentee. Once you read their article, you might be inspired to start a mentorship practice at your own firm or in your own legal department. In that case, you'll want to check out Reagan Boyce's article, Set for Success. We're lucky to have all three authors with us today. Rather than extol their detailed bios, let me just assure you, they're all exceedingly accomplished attorneys. They're all bar leaders and each with variegated backgrounds. I'd just as soon jump right into our topic because we've got a lot to cover. So Nikki, Denise, and Reagan, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Rocky. Thank you. Hi, thank you for having us. Absolutely. What This is, this is going to be a fun topic. So I'm going to read a quote here. When you make it to a position higher than where you started, reach back and pull someone up. Nikki, you wrote those words in your article, calling it a motto that guided your upbringing. Who said that to you? My mother. She's a teacher, and she was always the one that lifted the kids up that no one wanted. So she tells me, reminds me every day that God gifted me with a brain and talent, and my job is to reach back and pull someone else up. And and so is mentorship something in, in your view that, because in your article, you talk about it as as kind of like what your mother told you. It's something, it's almost like a, like a moral duty to pull other people forward. Is this something that you believe is entirely altruistic or is there a benefit to the mentor in taking on a mentorship relationship? I think there's always the benefit of just having a feeling of doing something good, of making the world better. And the sense of accomplishment when you either impart knowledge or impart skills or help someone else in the area that they maybe need help in, whether it's in your law practice or at home or in your community, it's everybody's duty to look out for the person next to them or behind them and help them make a way where maybe they didn't know how to do it before. In, in your experience as being a mentor, helped you become a better lawyer in some way? It has helped me to understand the perspective of others. So today I got three phone calls from three different young associates 
three-year to one-year attorneys. And their questions all centered on the same topic, strangely, <laughs> but they were all from very different perspectives and different issues and different questions. And it helps me to understand that even though I I am coming from having experience and know what to do that the questions that they ask means that they all see it a little bit differently. And that helps me to understand when I'm getting my point across to a jury or to opposing counsel or to the young attorneys in my office that I need to be very cognizant of their perspective on the issues. And when you do that, how do you get a sense of their perspective? Is it just them telling you or is there a level of of emotional intelligence involved? I mean, how do you discern what their perspective might be? I think there's always a give and take. So you're first listening to their questions um, and then asking questions back. And so through that give and take of question and answer, you start to discern what their real issues are. For example, with one of the young associates today, it was not grasping, even though he had the basic question, he was not grasping what the real issue was. So then it took a little bit longer to help him to understand what the real issue is and what he needs to be looking for. Whereas with another associate, a same topic from a different perspective, their issue was more technical. And so asking questions and going back and forth helped me to understand that they actually understood the concept and was more a procedural question than understand than having to, for me to then explain why we were doing this process. Well, if it's any comfort to these associates, I never understand the issue either, even after all these years. Still don't get it right. So, Reagan, your article seems to come at a mentorship from a different perspective, if you'll forgive me. It it seems to highlight the benefits of mentorship in that it can foster better practices in a firm. I really, truly believe that mentorship does improve the overall practice of both the mentor and the mentee. As Nikki was saying, perspective is important. And I think that I I have seen what I call the generational perspective gap, and I believe that mentorship is one of the greatest tools that we can use to sort of bridge that gap and bring a under, better understanding in older generations of how new lawyers are looking at the practice of law and in mentoring them, help bring them along to learn the solid foundation that they need, but also to look at things differently and getting a different perspective from a younger generation, I have found to be helpful. And and I think it makes us all better practitioners if we can incorporate and look at and understand a perspective other than our own. When you talk about the generational differences, do you find that, do you find that the younger lawyers or the newer lawyers, I should say, in your firm are open to hearing from from us older lawyers, how we did things and why we do things? Or or is it more a matter of us trying to learn how they do things so that so that we can bridge a gap with them? Does it go both ways or is it really more one way than the other? A receptive mentee will want to understand why the older generation does things and why there are certain practices in place. I'm happy to say that most of the young lawyers that I speak with, when I explain to them sort of from my perspective why we do things a certain way and why I think these are best practices— I do see that they are receptive to maybe looking at an issue or looking at a practice differently than they would have. Occasionally, I come across a younger generational lawyer who is very 
set in their ways and not as open to other perspectives. And I think that that's a great deficit to them. And I think it's going to limit them in becoming a better lawyer if they're not willing to learn from more experienced attorneys and at least take into consideration advice that's being given to them and shared with them. I'm going to ask you the contrapositive to what I asked Nikki. I hope that's the right word, contrapositive. I've always wanted to use it because it just sounds cool and it makes you sound smart. <laughs> but one word. of you can tell me, it, it's a great word. I'm probably <laughs> using it incorrectly and y'all can, can correct me. But the contrapositive, you know, what role do you think altruism plays, Reagan, in mentorship versus attaining best practices? So Nikki's perspective was it's the right thing to do. And your perspective is it makes us better lawyers and makes, makes for a stronger firm. What role does altruism play? I think it does. And there's some uh, self-satisfaction in knowing that if I've got lawyers who are willing to learn and take on advice and follow good practices, that's a little bit selfish in saying I'm going to have a better quality lawyer working with me. But I think that that also allows me to take pride in seeing somebody achieve greater success Because ultimately, I know that I got here because I had some great mentors in my life. And if I can pay that forward to the next generation of lawyers coming up behind me, I I want to do that. And I think it's important to do that. So is it selfish to say I want better lawyers practicing with me? Maybe. But I also take great satisfaction in seeing another lawyer achieve great success. There's plenty of success to go around. I don't have to be selfish and hold it all to myself. So I'm happy to share you know, my learning lessons and my experience, if that will help someone to also achieve a greater level of success in life. Your article and your perspective talks a lot about other lawyers in your firm, but what if you're a solo practitioner? You know, what role do you think mentorship plays there and how can you use that to be a better lawyer? You know, I think it's just as important for a solo practitioner to identify other lawyers in practice, either in their area of law or other areas of law that can provide that sort of mentorship to them. And if you are a solo practitioner, I would strongly encourage you to find yourself a mentor. And and mentees can seek out mentors. It doesn't have to be just the mentor looking to offer to mentor a mentee. I think mentees have to be proactive in seeking a mentor. That was a tongue twister. A mentor doesn't have to be a mentee to seek a mentor. Then the mentor can see them. We're going to use this for allocution lessons. Okay. Now we're going to, you're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Denise, we're going to be talking to you as the mentee in these articles about how to be a good mentee and how to make the most of that relationship. So we're going to hear from one of our sponsors and we're going to be back in just a few seconds. The Texas Lawyers Assistance Program provides confidential help for Texas lawyers, law students, and judges who have problems with substance use and mental health issues. TLAP offers 24-7 confidential support and can connect you to peers and providers for assistance. TLAP can also connect you to the Sheeran Crowley Lawyer Wellness Trust, which provides financial help to Texas lawyers, law students, and judges who need treatment for substance use, depression, and other mental health issues but can't afford to pay for services. Call or text TLAP anytime at one 800 343-8527. And guys, we are back. We're talking about mentorship and we're having a great conversation with our two mentors from the article. What we who we didn't hear from is the mentee. And I saved her for now because here's an important question. So Denise, you've got you've given a fascinating perspective as someone who directly benefited from a mentorship relationship, specifically with Nikki. But one thing we didn't read in the article though is the mentee's duty to keep that relationship alive. You and Nikki have had a 20-year relationship, nearly 20, maybe more, of being mentor and mentee. What steps did you take as a mentee to keep that relationship going all those years? 
I think we started off in like an official program where it was through high school. But even after high school, I was proactive and as she was as well with reaching out, checking in every now and then, making sure, okay, are you still on track? Are you still achieving your goals? Do you need help with anything? Do you have any questions? And even when she's in, was in an opportunity to give me kind of an olive branch to include me in things and like that, she would extend those opportunities like, hey, I think Denise would be a great fit for this. Let me call her. And vice versa, as I progress in life, I include her on things that's going on. So I think it's with any kind of networking almost, you have to be proactive, you have to reach out, you have to maintain those relationships, even if it's not so much uh, where you may need as much mentoring because you're growing yourself in your career. And maybe you're now in a position to reach out and mentor someone, but you still have to keep that networking relationship. Did did you find that that your contemporaries who are going through the same programs at the same time, were they, were they as proactive? Cause I can tell you, I've had, I've had mentees that I've told them, here's my info, get in touch with me when you need me. And I, then I never hear from them again. So have you been this proactive with all mentors or was there something special about Nikki that that relationship just kind of grew more organically? That's a great question, Rocky. And of course, Nikki is special. So (laughs) that goes without saying. But no, I've not been this proactive with all of my mentoring relationships. I remember in law school signing up for these programs and maybe I had coffee once or twice with them. But just like with any other kind of service that you're looking for, you don't always click with the person or the provider, right? And so you have to kind of explore and see if that relationship works. But I think for us, maybe because I was so young when we started out the relationship, it's just kind of I as I grew, Nikki was just like a part of my family almost. And so Mm -hmm. maybe the younger you start, the easier it is it is to stay in contact with the person. But I don't believe some of my other contemporaries took the same um, kind of standpoint, because I think back to the people that I went to high school with, and I don't believe many of them are still in contact with their mentors So I think we did develop a very special relationship and due to both of our consistency and making sure we put forth the effort. Well, and Nikki, what about you? Have you been this, have you been this involved with, with other mentees or was this, was this kind of a, a unicorn in mentorship relationships? No, I definitely believe that Denise and I, our relationship is special. And I think I would have to give credit to the program, the fact that they found Denise, who went, who was an eighth grader, who wanted to be a lawyer, and they found her a lawyer. And so, right. and then Denise continuing on that path and achieving those goals, I was in a direct position to help her at every single step, whether it was going to high school, her classes to take, her getting the right grades, applying to college, going to college, her major, then taking the LSAT and going to law school. Every single step was kind of mirrored in the path that I had already taken. So I was very, it was easy to be hands-on. With other mentor-type programs, it's been for a certain period of time, and maybe after that period of time, they go on their separate way and you go on your separate way. And I've had one other relationship that has kept in contact over the years, but not as just a hello, 
this is how I'm doing, right. not kind of a advice type of relationship. Right. So I think the fact that our career goals were similar helped us to be on a path to have a very long-term relationship. So, so Reagan, I, I found your perspective fascinating because it really is talking about how to be a stronger firm by using mentorship, which is a, a very useful and practical perspective. How do you transition that mentorship relationship once a lawyer leaves your firm? Do you still maintain it? Or at that point, does it, in your view, would it change because they're no longer under your wings, so to speak? I don't think that you have to stop being a mentor if somebody diverges and decides that they're going to go down a different path than perhaps staying in firm with you. Certainly having somebody at the firm that wants to seek out a mentor, it's easier. But I have had mentors throughout my career, some that at the same firm that I worked at and some at that I never worked with, but they, because of a a relationship was able to be formed and a mentorship developed out of that, it really just becomes necessary that you stay in it in touch. Both participants in the mentorship relationship have to proactively seek each other out, check on Mm -hmm. each other. And I think that if the mentorship bond really does form where you go in life doesn't determine that a mentorship has to end because you're no longer working at the same firm. I would say that It really is up to the mentee to make sure that they stay in touch with the mentor. And I think that the mentor, if they stay in touch with the mentee, that relationship can continue beyond the physical boundaries of just a law firm. I've had four lawyers that come work for me that I've taken an interest in and they still check in with me and, you know, every now and then it may not be as frequent of contact as perhaps what Nikki and Denise have had over their long 20 year relationship. But, (laughs) you know, it really just depends on if your bond is formed and you want to keep the relationship going, then I don't think the four walls of the law firm have to stop that, that relationship from continuing. So so here's a question for the group. Let's say you start out as mentor and mentee, kind of like how Nikki and Denise did, but then the mentor hires the mentee. Right. So Reagan, you've, you're already starting these relationships once they're in your firm. And then Nikki, your relationship with Denise was there was, there, there was no business being transacted. You guys were completely at arm's length, but let's say now the mentor hires the mentee. Do you think that changes the relationship? Is there like a conflict of interest now that, now that there's this employer employee relationship that's that's more from the mentorship relationship. So I want to get your guys' perspective on that. We can start with anybody who wants to jump in. Personally, I wouldn't think that there is a conflict of interest, except that you might take more of an interest in that mentee than with mm. other maybe associates in the firm. I think it would probably strengthen the um, the open door policy that mentee would sure. be willing to walk in and ask you any point in time, you know, your advice. Whereas with a mentee that's in the firm that you didn't have that pre-existing relationship, they're always wondering what the perception is when you walk Mm -hmm. in with the question. So I think that there will probably be more of a growth or opportunity for growth with the mentee that you've already known. And so I wouldn't think that it would be off bounds, so to speak, but I do think you might have to balance the interests of helping all the mentees grow or all the young lawyers grow versus just the one that you have that long-term relationship with. And I would add, I think that if you hire a mentee and you show that there is a special mentorship relationship, 
I think that that would encourage the rest of the members of the firm to look to form similar mentor-mentee relationships, lead by example, show the benefit to other lawyers who maybe never thought about mentoring another attorney or never seeking a mentor, show them the benefits of what a close working relationship between a mentor and mentee can be and, and lead by example. Denise, what do you think? Would this would this change the relationship? No, I think as a mentee in that position, it would make me want to work even harder, right? I would not want to let my mentor down. I would want to make sure I did the best job I could do um, to show that all their mentoring over these years has actually paid off, right? <laughs> but also, I think even a supervisor in any context, there's a level of mentoring that you should be doing anyway, Right. You should be guiding this person, um, not only just making sure they're checking the box, doing their job, but provide that guidance. If you're a good supervisor, you want to guide them anyway. So there's some level of mentoring that should occur anyway in that aspect. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, actually, Denise, I want to ask you a question about transitioning from being a mentee to now being a mentor. Stay tuned. And we're going to be back in just a few. Okay, we are back and we've been we've been talking a lot about mentorship and the evolving role of a mentor and a mentee. One thing we have not talked about though is what happens when you transition from being a mentee to now being a mentor. So, Denise, you've made that transition, right? You're now you're now actively a mentor in it looks like several different organizations, am I right? Yes. So at what point, that, that was great. That was like a deposition moment. Is that a yes? Is that a yes? <laughs> you, need to, you need to say it verbally. You can't, we can't get it on the record. Okay, so at, at what point did you finally have that moment where you said, oh, I know enough to maybe mentor somebody? Because I'll tell you, I've been, doing this, I've been doing this almost 30 years and I still am not at that point. I'm like, there's no way I can give anything of value to anyone. How did you come to that realization? I would have to be honest, I'm a little bit like you, Rocky. I feel the same way. I never really felt like, hey, I can now mentor someone. It's just when someone comes, starts coming to you for that advice and they start seeking you out, and then you start to realize, maybe I do know a little bit of something <laughs> and I can help someone along the way. And so some of it's been through formal relationships, but a lot of it has been through the informal, like people reaching out saying, hey, I see that you're doing this and that. Can you teach me how to get there? Or, you know, I have an interest in this. Can you give me any advice? And so that's what made me feel like, hey, maybe I have somewhat reached this point. People are actually asking me questions and they think I have the right answers. <laughs> Suckers. They think I know something. <laughs> what's wrong with people? This is what's wrong with our country. Okay, so here, but here's, here's a question maybe for, for everyone. Commonality, the whole idea of commonality in a mentorship relationship. How important is that? Because, and, and I'm going to give you, give you some illustrations. You know, we hear of women lawyers mentoring other women lawyers or Asian lawyers mentoring other Asian lawyers. There's examples like these that we can get or people in a certain practice area mentoring one another. Does that commonality help? Or do you think there can be healthy relationships between people of entirely different backgrounds? You know, how important is, is commonality in that relationship? So, you know, maybe, Denise, let's maybe start with you, because it'd be interesting to hear your perspective as the mentee. You know, how important was commonality between you and Nikki when you were formulating that relationship? 
Well, I think especially as a, a young adult or even a teenager, that is important. We all know how hard it is to reach teenagers. And so the more you have in <laughs> common, the easier it is to just try to kickstart that relationship. But even now, I think it's great as an initial starter, right? But I don't think it has to be that. I have another mentor and if he was standing here next to me, I know you all can't see me, but if he was standing next to me, you would think we had zero in common, but we actually have a great relationship and he's been very helpful in my career, particularly from the in-house law perspective. So I think it's a good to start a relationship to have those common things, but it doesn't have to be the sustaining factor for the relationship. Well, there's so many different areas that you can find common ground. So maybe it's just the part of Texas that you came from or the your hobby or your practice or what size law firm. And like Denise said, in-house counsel versus defense law firm or whatever it may mm-hmm. be. There are so many different ways that you can find common ground with someone that a good mentor aims to find that common ground and build on it. I would absolutely agree. I think that you have to have some foundation of commonality, even if it's just a common desire to to be a certain practitioner or practice in a certain way. I think that that is the beginning of a mentorship relationship. But I think also that um, there is room for a mentor and mentee to learn from each other's differences and their different strengths. And so you don't want a cookie cutter mentor per se, but you want to see as a mentee, I would say you want to look for a potential mentor, somebody who's achieved the same sort of success in the path that you want to achieve success in, because that's how they're going to be able to help you is by sharing what they took, what steps they took to get through uh, and become successful in the way that they did. So I think that there's there's got to be some sort of foundational commonality, but you also want to look to somebody's differences and, and the different strengths that they can bring. And again, I think that comes back to perspective. Different perspectives can also be a great way to learn and advance mm-hmm. and enhance your your skill set. But now let, let's let's talk for a second about, and, and Reagan, one thing I was very impressed with your article was, I can just tell reading it, you're an extremely organized person, <laughs> which means yes. you and I have very little in common. Okay. <laughs> this would... You would be frustrated with me as a mentee. You'd be like, this guy has absolutely no skills of life whatsoever. How did he make it to adulthood? But, you know, you talk about, you know, you've got standard operating procedures and you've got files where you put things away so people can use them. Obviously very fastidious with that. But the big question is, how do you make time to be a mentor? Because it's, you know, it means you're effectively not billing those hours. You're not working on your cases. You've got deadlines looming. And as as lawyers, we know, the deadlines don't stop. So how do you how do you balance that and how do you make time for that with all the other demands on your daily schedule? What's the saying? If you want something done, give it to a busy person. I have always found that if it's important, I will find time. I will make the time. If I have to give up some of my personal time in order to spend time with a mentee, whether it's, you know, meaning I stay later at the office because I have to get things done later in the day because I took time out of my day to mm-hmm. spend time with a mentee, I'm willing to do that because I see the importance of having mentorship in your personal life as well as your professional life. I wouldn't be here today without having some wonderful mentors who gave their time to me. And so I think for a mentor, you have to understand 
what mentorship is. It means you're giving of yourself to that mentee. You're giving your time. Recognize the importance of what you're doing. And then it makes that time that you're giving up, I think, worthwhile. And it's not that you're giving up time, but that you are sharing your time. And so, you know, a successful mentorship relationship requires some self-sacrifice, giving your time. But then how, how do you get, say, family buy-in to that? I mean, sure, maybe <laughs> the firm is saying, good, this is great. But then if you're staying at the office later, you've got kids or you've got a spouse and they're saying, why are you, why are you out later? How do you get your family to buy into this? Nikki, do you have any perspectives or have you had to cross that bridge a few times? I think because my kids were always raised with an attorney for a mother, um, <laughs> they don't see it as odd. I think it, so they, it's just kind of the way of life. They understand that there are times where I may be late in, or t- weekends where I don't make games because I'm in trial prep or whatever it may be. And with the family, from that perspective, it's just balancing. They know that every time I can make it, I will make it, even if it means that I go to a softball game and I come back and I work until, you know, the wee hours of the morning. And so it's just that investment in them. I think investment in your firm, investment in your law, your young associates. I think as long as everyone understands that you are giving it your all and your heart, then no one, no one cries about the small sacrifices that it takes for you to kind of split yourself in a few different parts. And just kind of like Reagan said, when you're talking about a young associate, the more time that you put into a younger associate, the better they're going to be, which in the end makes my life as a senior attorney easier because I can then trust them with more tasks and more responsibilities, whereas I left them to answer their own questions or to their own devices. I was still having fixing everything. (laughs) Yeah. I was still have the same load or more on my plate. So it's worth that investment. And as long as it's sincere and you're putting your energy fully into those people when you're with them, such as my family, when I'm with them, they have my complete attention. Then the times that I'm not with them are not, not missed because of the meaningful moments where I am with them. Well, Denise, what about your perspective? I know you've got you've got a husband and you've got a dog, so you know you, you've got you've got responsibilities too, and your career is is very much on the upswing. How do you balance being a mentor with trying to keep your keep your career on the trajectory you want it to be? Yes, my dog is very demanding, but <laughs> I kind of bring my mentees into my family, and so my husband has met all of my mentees. Right, we will have them over for holiday celebrations. And that way he can put a face with a name like, oh, okay, that's the person that why you're not home for dinner. Yes, that's why I'm not home for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think um, when you get to that level of relationship, you can do that, right? And then it becomes more of a bit of a friendship, but still a mentor-mentee type of relationship. But I love for people to meet my entire family. Nikki knows my entire family, so... <laughs> I take that approach to it. And then I think that kind of eases the demanding part where it's just like, I'm spending time with another family member. I'm not neglecting you necessarily. So, so we've got time for maybe two more questions and, and I've been, I've been saving these to the end because these are the ones I really wanted to ask you guys. So Denise, I think I know the answer for you, but you can answer too if you want to, but especially with Nikki and Reagan, who were your most memorable mentors or maybe the most impactful mentors 
and why. So I guess Reagan, we'll start with you. Who is who is the one that stands out the most for you? And and it can be it can be more than one answer. I mean, you, you may have a couple that I've, stand out. I've got five that stand out actually. Holy um, mackerel! Yeah. Okay. And I'll list them for you. Um, Dr. Fokel, who was my mentor in my undergraduate college. Diane Fleisick was a corporate attorney who reached out to me as a witness in a case and convinced me to go to law school. Sheila Brown was a senior associate at a firm I worked at, and she was instrumental in teaching me the nuts and bolts of practice and litigation. Paula Kane was a family friend for years, but she always stayed in touch with me, and she inspired me to go into the law. And then Richard Burstein was another associate that I, a senior associate I worked under, and he really trained me um, in just sharpening my oral argument and my writing skills. Yeah, that answer at the fingertips. I was hoping to stump you for <laughs> once. My goodness. They're important people. You don't forget them. <laughs> no, you don't. You certainly don't. So, Nikki, how about you? Yes. When I first started out, I started out in prosecution in Jefferson County, and I had Tom Manus and Ed Shettle who emphasized the importance of balancing family, civic life, and the practice of law. Their motto was that you deal with the worst of the worst, so you have to make sure that you get out and do some good in the world. (laughs) And that's how I became um, Denise's mentor. By their encouragement for us to get out and go run or go mentor or go volunteer, go do something other than concentrate on the on the bad side of life when you're not working. And they gave us those opportunities. So that was my, um, put me on the path. Well, I won't say they put me on the path because I had always been mentoring, but I found with them the ability to balance law with mentoring. With the mentoring, got it. Exactly. And then once I went on into civil law, I had Judge Ricardo Hinojosa who believed that- Oh, sure. One of the best attorneys down in the valley for criminal, which I was not, but his encouragement (laughs) and his ability to answer my questions and be open to just talking and discussing different aspects of the law truly helped and benefit my law practice. And then um, Norton Colvin down with Colvin Signs for Regas and Kinnemer encouraged and believed that I could handle the big cases when I didn't believe I could. And now I'm passing on that same encouragement to other young attorneys. Wonderful. Now, Denise, like I said, I I know Nikki's going to be going to be one of your answers. So, so Nikki's there. Are there any others that stand out to you as other mentors that have been important to you and why? Yes, I would say I think Miss Nikki got me to maybe where I, to get through law school. You know, I probably wouldn't have gone down the path or at least not as smoothly if I didn't have her. But also going back to our earlier question, my first boss out of law school, and I actually clerked for him in law school in-house, Mr. Dan Chapman, he has been instrumental in my career. Um, he kind of took me in as not even a lawyer yet, showed me the robes, and he continues to advise me to today. So he's been very instrumental. So final question, and then and then we're going to have to wrap this up. But final question, and you only get one answer. So the last time you could give five or six or whatever. Now <laughs> it's just one answer. In your opinion, what is the single biggest factor in a successful mentorship relationship? Open communication, being able to know 
being able to convey that they can talk to you whenever and about whatever is on their plate and being available when they do need to have those conversations. No judgment, I guess, when they do that. So that's exactly right. Okay. Denise, how about you? Single biggest factor. You can tell she's my mentor because she totally stole my answer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So since she went with communication, I'm going to go with trust. So you have to trust that your mentor actually has your best interests at heart, that they are actually trying to help you to get to where they where you want to be and that they are actually are taking a genuine interest in you and to help you advance. Reagan, how about you? Well, I think my answer sort of builds on that, and that is listening. You got to listen to the mentor um, and and actually take in the information that they're giving you. And mentors, you need to listen to your mentees. So listening, I think, is crucial and is a key component of a good mentorship relationship. Man, this has been fun. I wish we could keep going, but guys, we are out of time. And so Nikki, Denise, and Reagan, thank you for joining us today and for for mentoring the rest of us into becoming good mentors and mentees. <laughs> so thank you all for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. And of course, I want to thank you for tuning in. And I want to encourage you to stay safe and be well. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, remember, life's a journey, folks. I'm Rocky Deer, signing off. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Go to TexasBar.com slash podcast. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Find both the State Bar of Texas and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, the State Bar of Texas, Legal Talk Network, or their respective officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.